everyone, um, I'm Elisa and this is Do Deer. She is the founder of Lime Crime Cosmetics and now owner, creator, amazing mind behind Poppy Angeloff, uh, the jewelry brand. And we're going to talk a little bit about life, design, color. Jewelry, color. Jewelry. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's a great honor. I've been a fan of yours for such a long time and uh, to meet you in person finally is such a treat. I am let's do this. Like so honored to hear you say that I've been following you for years and No way. No, I'm so serious. I've been following you for years and to to actually have the opportunity to talk to you. I this is amazing. Okay, let's let's go. It's for mind it. blowing. I wanted to ask you what it is exactly. When did you know that it was time for retail with Lime Crime? Right. Um I think two things had to be in place. Yeah. One, we had to have enough stock because yes. when you take on even one retailer, they can uh -huh. wipe you out. So you have to have enough stock and two, you have to have enough staff because servicing yes. a big account like Ulta or even you know a not so big account like Urban Outfitters takes a lot of knowledgeable people. Yeah. People who have done it before. Yeah. So once our company was at that level, that's when we knew that it was we time could, to we open could open up. the floodgate. Right. But before then, it was just, it's not possible. And it's okay. You yeah. know, you will know, you will know when it's time. That's what I like to say. How many did you have on staff when that moment occurred? Um, I, you know, we were still uh, small. I think they were like... Between seven to ten people. Yeah. However, it's not the number of people, perhaps, but the kind of people. The quality. Who is working with you? Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so we brought in our COO at the time. Uh -huh. Her name is Minal. And she comes from a another brand called Stila. I mean, she's worked with a couple. Stila. Yeah. Yeah. They've, yeah. Uh, she's worked in a couple of makeup brands before. But most importantly, she has worked with... The Sephora's and the Ulta's and the, the Heritages of the world. Right. So she brought that kind of experience. She brought that level of quality. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, she not only had the experience, but she knew a lot of those people. She knew how to approach them and how to work with them, how to deliver product on time and all of that stuff. So once Mino was on board, I felt confident that we can take on... Um, Fairly Stockist. large, uh, yeah, retail yeah. accounts. Um, that's really amazing. I, I think that there is such um, a connection, in fact, between makeup and jewelry. What was that like for you, finding that crossover when you wanted to start Poppy Angeloff? For me, it always has and always will come down to color. Yeah. Um, I just started thinking... You know, we as women and some men spend so much time on our face yeah. and on our hair, uh, on our nails. But what about the rest of us, right? What else right. can we beautify and accessorize? Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, jewelry, specifically rings, uh -huh. were such a natural extension of that. Again, I'm, I love gemstones for that very reason. Yeah. 
Because they just, they bring color into they your life. They are a true and pure color in a yeah. way that almost nothing else is. I mean, a cabochon amethyst will change your life. Oh you my know? god, I, I still agree. <laughs> Honestly, a cabochon amethyst will change your life in a way that no lipstick or eyeshadow ever could. <laughs> That's really very true. It will change your life, guys. Yeah, it definitely has my... Why? Stone has dimension that makeup yeah. does not. Yes, that so, is true. For me, it was kind of like a natural progression. You know, I come from a world of makeup development. Uh -huh. So I've created makeup for so, so many years, um, creating color. Right. How the shade translates. Yes. What it does for the skin. Yeah, so uh, gemstones were immediately became such a deep fascination of mine. Once I realized that there's more than one color. Yes. to a stone. By the way, faceted or not, it doesn't matter, but especially faceted. Even a clear stone like a diamond or a white sapphire has so much dimension and so many colors, like there's rainbows trapped inside. I know. There's nothing more exciting to me than taking color and making something awesome out of it Something yeah. that can bring joy to other people's lives. So that's my transition. Loved that's it. Incredible. Got it. How does the Rihanna Grande, what, what does she say? <laughs> I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw color in gemstones. I liked it, I wanted it, so I, I started the brand. It's really amazing too because the way that Poppy Angeloff really focuses on color, it truly is, I think, an extension of like your entire visual aesthetic. I love, I mean, I've, I've for those of you who are listening, I've had the incredible experience of actually seeing Joe's house and every single room, every object is so perfectly in line with her, I don't even want to call it a brand, just like your life philosophy mm, thank of you. appreciating thank you. color that I am absolutely moved by this experience and I know that I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. So, Oh, wow. I wanted to ask you, what was it like growing up surrounded by antiques, living in a Victorian house, and most importantly being surrounded by um, people with a deep appreciation of quality things from the past? I, I, oh, I don't remember a time where I didn't love it. Amazing. Uh, I always loved it and I, I knew that I was kind of special like because I, I knew that the other kids that I hung out with, the other people that I was around, maybe they lived in an old house because we were in a neighborhood of people who were all living in these houses built between 1890 and like 1907. But um, I was in that world, it's true. Um, so I grew up going to antique shows and I developed a taste for vintage clothing when I was like seven or eight. I was oh very my God. young. Yeah, I would go, I would Most go to like- Most people don't even know what vintage is at that age. Oh no, it's so true. Like I remember very vividly, I think I've talked about this in other podcasts too. I bought this little velvet capelet from the 1930s uh, and I bought what it color? for like four bucks at a yard sale. You would l have loved it. It was a beautiful cobalt blue. Ooh. And the reverse was this purple pink color. And I wore it to school every day. And um, the teacher, I remember I had this one teacher and she said, you can't wear that to school. Why the hell not? And I said, why, why can't I? My mother says I can wear it. Why can't I wear it? And she said, because it's not, it's not 
a piece of clothing that a child should wear to school. And that was when I really began to realize that I had like a little bit of friction with the world around me. And as I got older, I, I tried to nurture and to keep that appreciation and love for mm-hmm. antique clothing, vintage clothing, and yeah. it, it grew into a love of jewelry over time. You know, I had an incident kind of similar to what you just described, but really? with jewelry. Really? Uh, yeah, back in school, I'm, I must have been nine or something. Um, I've, this is the thing, I inherited some um, vintage jewelry from my grandmother and great-grandmother. So I, I still have these earrings. They have Russian um, alexandrites. So how do you pronounce it? Yeah. In, in them. So I love these earrings. Uh-huh. And I, when I would get onto something, I would just wear it nonstop. I would shower in it, all of it. <laughs> so yeah, once those things gotten into my ears, I wore them every single day, everywhere I went, including to school. And at some point, a teacher demanded that I take them off. Why would you do that? Soviet times, I don't know, Soviet Russia. She deemed it to be inappropriate for a little girl to be wearing such grown-up earrings. Uh, And when I refused, she actually took them out of my ears and put them in my pencil case. I was so outraged, the next day I came back, they were back in my ears. And that was the end of it. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> What's it about teachers wanting to suppress kids' self-expression? Can you tell me about the locket you're wearing? I've been yes. loving it yes, and yes, looking yes. at it all day. So um, we have a tradition where my husband, Mark, um, presents me with, with a piece of an antique, with an antique piece, uh, antique jewelry for specific holidays. And um, like one year he gifted me this amazing... Georgian, um, it's actually a mourning ring with uh, two turtle doves and uh, holding a garnet, but it was perfect for Valentine's Day. So this is my Valentine's Day gift from this year. Wow. It's a beautiful antique locket. How romantic. Um, And it does open up, but you know, it has a piece of glass inside. Yeah. And you're supposed to put a picture behind it. And I was going to put a picture of our baby daughter. But I can't, for the life of me, figure out how to take that glass out without shattering it. So for now it's empty, but it's the thought that counts. And you are wearing it, honoring it, appreciating it. Yes, I am. That's so fantastic. As soon as I saw it, I just, I fell in love. It feels so me. It's so, so you. Um, so a little bit maybe about the day-to-day of Poppy Angela. What's something that, for, for those of, for our young entrepreneurs listening, what's something that really keeps you going, creating fresh content and hungry to build this company? I would say probably an opportunity to connect to my customers directly through Instagram. Yeah. I love DMing back and forth with people. Mm-hmm. I, I learn so much. That's probably the first thing that I do in the morning. I know a lot of people will tell you, oh, like, don't pick up your phone. It shouldn't be the first thing you do. It's totally the first thing I do. It's totally the first thing I do, too. Yeah. I wake up every morning and I see who I need to... Who DM'd me? Who DM'd me? How many DMs do I have? Yeah. Yeah, and I try <laughs> to go through as many of them as I can. 
Yeah, it just, that sets me up for success. Ah. You know why? Because there's never bad news. It can only be good news. Right. It just Happy people. makes you, like, who doesn't want to start their day with, like, kind messages yes. from people who are, like, part of your jewelry tribe, you I know? I love that. Yes. I, I love it, too. It, it brings me really an incredible amount of joy to yeah. have these conversations. And you're right about, I mean, kind of linking it back to the question, that is what keeps me fresh, too, is really having that contact because Instagram's not a vacuum no it can be if you want it to be but I don't and neither do you so no yeah we're all about reaching out and we I constantly tell people to dm me that yeah. I read every single dm and I try to at least put a heart you yeah. know on it yeah, yeah. acknowledge as uh, as many as I can yeah yeah so to me that's really cool um another part that I love is the design element mm -hmm. um that's the reason why i got into the business is because i just love to design things whether it's makeup or rings or something else very special that i'm working on right now yeah for me it's just i i just want to be able to design whatever the hell i want like whatever the hell i want in my life mm -hmm. and it doesn't exist i want to be able to create it create it yeah, and hopefully other people will love it too. I actually just, we just um, visited the uh, design district of LA. Oh, and I've been. And that was life-changing for me, actually, because mm. walking into, I've had this, like, incredible uh, moment with LA right now, because I think when I landed and I spent my first day here, I was kind of like, uh, everything's kind of spread out. I miss New York, you know, but then really actually spending time in the design district was what sort of changed my mind about LA. Being able to enter into these spaces that are experiences is really mm. super duper important for me as a creative and like a designer myself. In, in, as a visionary. Yeah, yes, thank yeah. you. But like in that way, that was what really has drawn me to LA now is noticing that every store is a retail experience and that's something that I'm always trying to bring into my brand. I want shopping at the Curio, shopping at the Lovely Jewels to be its own custom curated experience. And it is. That's why we care so much about <laughs> packaging and presentation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the, the white glove customer service right. that you guys provide is incredible. Thank you. You get back to people within minutes. I try to. It's yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, it's and an inspiration, an inspiration to all of us, you know, in jewelry and beyond. Thank you. It it is something that I, and I I do actually want to say this like on the record. I got that wrong a lot in the beginning. I didn't get it right when I first started. I didn't know how to do it. And I, I do want to say this to other entrepreneurs because I get actually a lot of DMs asking me, like, how did you build the business? What do you do? I love my job because a lot of the time I wake up in the morning and I have to learn how to put out fires and how to fix situations. And the white glove concierge service that we offer has been built over my coming up on three years of doing this, it's been built over time to focus in on what is so important for a client that is not just getting a piece of jewelry, but 
adopting an heirloom that is never going to go out of style, that will serve them for the rest of their lives, and that they can then pass on as a meaningful memento to the next generation. Um, and when you put all of that together into a transaction or into, you know, just uh, just this moment that you spend with someone, I, it, it's very successful, I think, at least. It's beautiful. And, you know, you made a great point in the beginning that few of us get it right at first, yeah. you know, on the first try. And, you know, starting... This new business, I come from makeup, I didn't know much about jewelry at all. I knew that it was going to be a bunch of trial and error. Yes. My goal was to make as many mistakes as I possibly could in the shortest amount of time. Perfect. And try a bunch of different things, just see what works and what doesn't, and learn quickly. Yes. So, yeah, uh, for all of our fellow entrepreneurs out there, don't worry about getting it perfect on the first try or even on the second or on the third. What matters is that you keep trying and keep right. learning something. Yeah, just ask. If you don't know, like, like ask your, your audience. I've actually really been trying to engage with the entire community with things that I am still learning about. And that is something that I learned from you. Because hmm. you are always engaging with the community. I love... I try. I love seeing your posts where you're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go live. I really want to answer your questions. You know, sometimes you'll do themes or sometimes you'll just say, ask me anything. I want to be here to kind of help you if I can answer your questions. And that's so inspirational. That's what your lives are about, honestly. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just you answering people's questions. And I love how you always address them by their Instagram name. I try to, yes. That is, that is I, a lot I of I love fun. that. You're so good at that. You're just like answering <laughs> questions on the fly. And not just superficial answers. You go in depth. I, you are a well of knowledge when it comes to antique jewelry. Thank you. That's what makes you so interesting to watch. Because let's face it, there are a lot of people that love jewelry, but your knowledge seems boundless. By the way, how did you learn? This is a... Did you go to school? Is it just throwing up a certain way? Is it years of experience? How did you learn? I want to start off by saying I think I know a small fraction of what there is to know. <laughs> but what I do know comes from many different disciplines. Um, I feel that jewelry is interdisciplinary in the sense that I went to school for art history. Hmm. Um, I went to Brooklyn College. Uh, I love Brooklyn College and I'm still taking classes there. Brooklyn College. Oh, it's Economics. amazing. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, but what I what my focus was was actually Baroque art. I studied specifically Caravaggio. Um, I was a recipient of the Tao grant. I studied abroad. I had the opportunity to go to um, Italy, London, and Paris when I was 22, and um, it was it, that was a life-changing experience. I came back and I went in depth uh, to learn about the decorative arts, and I really wanted to learn as much as I could about time periods. So once I kind of constructed an understanding of artistic timelines through culture, I was able to apply that knowledge to jewelry. 
So while I did not go to school for jewelry or specifically jewelry decorative arts, and I'm actually really hoping to go to jewelry camp this summer, which is a great such resource. A thing? Yeah, it's in New Jersey. Jewelry camp. And it's like New it's, Jersey of all places. New Jersey of all places, it's this like super focused study of jewelry for two weeks that's amazing. Um, but I use that kind of um, wide timeline to then understand and recognize artistic styles and um, the way the jewelry was created uh, through also getting like the socioeconomic basis. That makes a lot of sense. And that's why I think I can speak knowledgeably about it is just from that basis and, and that's how each piece becomes so special. And comes to life. Yeah. Because you can literally envision in your head what life was about exactly. during that period. That's so fun. Yeah, Thank that's you. what makes your lectures, and I like that word, they're lectures. That's what makes your <laughs> lectures so interesting. I'm challenging myself right now to learn more about 1960s jewelry. I'm pushing hard. Which I love, by the way. Oh, it's amazing and incredible. and I love it. So multidimensional. Um, and I'm also really uh, reading a, I'm reading a wonderful book in French right now on Art Nouveau jewelry. And that's just changing my view of everything that came after, you know, 1890 when Art Nouveau hit heavy in mm -hmm. France. And it was just this cultural explosion that changed everything from the way that lamps were made. Well, that you know, for the first time they had electricity, but you know, Everything and design. you had the metro, you have like yeah. a, a dresses, a jewelry, perfume bottles. There's nothing that it didn't touch. And the other, well, the other thing that is actually um, something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about is going to be Gothic revival after, you know, when Notre Dame burned, mm. that was a real turning point for me as well in being very interested in Gothic revival, which I think is such an underappreciated genre of jewelry. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you really, really enjoyed it. I had so much fun doing that interview with Doe. She's amazing. If you really enjoyed it, first of all, please subscribe. Uh, we love giving you guys podcasts and I hope that you don't miss them. Um, but if you really love this one and you actually want to hear the full uncut version, uh, you can see the entire video up on our IGTV at lady underscore lovelies underscore curio and there we talk about uh, what it's like to start a jewelry business from nothing and a little bit about um, the recent fire at Notre Dame uh, just just some really cool other topics that we didn't include in the podcast so uh, check out the uncut version there and thank you guys so much I uh, can't wait to hear from you hope you loved it